We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're looking for draft coverage, you have came to the right spot. Because on today's episode of the Pride Podcast, we have a very, very, very special guest, Mr. Jordan Reed from the Draft Network, coming onto the show to talk about some draft prospects and also talk about the Detroit Lions drafts from last year. Who are some guys Detroit could pick up at anywhere between 1 through 5? Find out on episode 68 of the Pride Podcast. Welcome back to the Pride Podcast on the Blue Wire Network. And for episode 68, we got ourselves a very special guest joining us. One of our fellow Blue Wire partners, man, Jordan Reed, man. How are you doing today? Good, man. You know, always good to be on with the fellow Blue Wire companion. So happy to be here. Thank you guys for having me on. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, so I'm Tyler. Sure. Got my main suspects, Malcolm and Pierre, with me as always. All right. So, Jordan, man. So, you know, we mentioned you got a podcast. You want to, you know, let the listeners know, what, like, what exactly do you do on your podcast? You know, you got a, a former Detroit Lion actually on your podcast. You want to let them know yeah. who it is and all that stuff? Uh, I always joke about them. I say, I don't know which team to introduce you as because you play for <laughs> almost every team in the league. So uh, I do have a podcast with a former, I just say, NFL quarterback, Josh Johnson. Uh, you guys are very familiar with him with his time in Detroit. I spent some time with the Redskins. He was drafted by the Tampa Bay Bucks uh, a few years back. So a uh, great guy. It's called the Josh and Jordan podcast. It is a Blue Wire podcast, just like you guys. Uh, so be sure to check that out. Subscribe, leave a five-star review. And it's just barbershop talk. That's what we like to call it. We just whatever arises that day or that week, we talk about it. Like our latest episode was him talking about his, his transition with the XFL and how it kind of was hard for him to accept the fact that he wasn't going to get an NFL opportunity right now. Uh, but he just had to take what was there right now, and that was the XFL. But uh, something he did open up about with me is that right after he signed uh, with the Los Angeles Wildcats, 
uh, Bob Quinn actually called him about five minutes later trying to sign him back. And I'm sure you guys saw yep. Adam Schefter's tweet right after uh, my tweet came up saying that he signed to the XFL, saying that, you know, the XFL did block him from signing back with the Detroit Lions. How how did that happen? Like, how like did you know Josh before you guys got together with the pod? Or how did you guys link up to, to start the pod? So it's kind of a weird story. So I did not have any prior knowledge or experience with Josh at all, but I was just looking for a co-host. And you guys know Kevin Jones, the owner yeah. of Blue Wire. I was looking for a co-host. And I wanted to get back to really doing X's and O's and kind of get back in deep or in depth with uh, football in general and not just draft talk with my podcast and Josh was looking that that was a venture just because he was out of the game at the time. He was just looking to get into podcasting. He had never done podcasting before. He's not a big technology guy. He just got a Twitter like two weeks ago. So uh, he's, <laughs> not, he's not a huge social media guy either. So uh, he was looking to expand his horizons a little bit and it was just a match. And I mean, now we're, we're really close friends. You would have, you would think we've known each other for 10 plus years now. Yeah. That's what it seems like, man. So Jordan, I, I actually went through your, your IG mm-hmm. and I saw that you are close friends with CP3. Yeah, a lot of people don't actually know this about me. He's actually my god brother. So, he's your uh, god brother. Yeah, he's That's my god dope. brother. That is uh, dope. Yeah, a great role model going growing up. Great guy, man. I can't say enough good things about him. Um, I talked to him about about two weeks ago. I really don't like to bother him during the season just because he has so much going on, but yeah, that's a little secret about me. He's actually my god brother, but a great guy. I can't say enough things about him. CP3, that, man. <laughs> that is dope, man. Yeah, I saw. I was like, "Whoa, that's CP3." Yeah. And yeah, man, that, that's just awesome, man. All you right. also you also played football. Yeah, I did. Um, I got a crazy story, man. As you can tell, I can sit here and talk about it forever. But um, I played at a small school called North Carolina Central University, and I'm sure you guys have heard of Duke before. It's about five minutes away in Durham, North Carolina. So I uh, played there, started quarterback there for three years as a three year starter. Um, after that, I transitioned right into coaching. I uh, coached quarterbacks and running backs for five years there. I was a GA my first two years, a graduate assistant. Uh, also was a recruiting coordinator there, and that's really where I love found my love for scouting. Uh, so that's really where I fell in love with the entire process and things of that nature. But loved love my school, love everything about it. Uh, small conference, but I'm sure you guys have heard of some notable names from the conference. It's the MEAC conference. Uh, Darius Leonard, Tariq Cohen, Javon Hargrave are some of the people that have played in that conference before. I actually played against Hargrave my senior year. That's probably the best player I ever played against. He was out. He was an absolute tear against us that game, but we did end up beating him in that game. So uh, that's just a quick snapshot of an overview of me. Yeah, All right. So um, we're at that point, uh, Jordan. You know, Lions fans. We're in December. We're going to talk about the draft. You work for the Draft Network, so you know we hate to talk about it this early, but we have to, dude. Like, no, no one gives yeah. a shit. No one gives a shit about us talking about the Denver Broncos. <laughs> They want to hear you, Jordan, talk about the yeah. draft right now. So, Malcolm, my man, you want to go ahead and ask Jordan the first draft question we got for him? Yeah. So, um, right now, as you know, we're number five, but it, it could fluctuate um, between now and week 17 as far as where we're going to be at. But can you give us um, five players that the Lions may consider in a top five pick? And if you kind of give us like a mini scouting report on each guy, if you can. Yeah. So, I'll just first identify what I think the Lions need. And I think the biggest need to me probably would be edge rusher. I think that's the biggest need for me. And uh, I know they signed Trey Flowers and they have some other guys uh, that they think are intriguing at that position. But outside of Flowers, I just don't see a whole bunch of promise uh, from any other guys on the roster. So 
Uh, you talk about a top five pick. AJ Epinesa is one guy I think could definitely oh, be a yes. good fit for there. Uh, a, guy, a guy, he hasn't actually declared yet, and there's still some rumors from some people that I'm actually talking to that he may go back to school, but mm-hmm. he'd, be turning, he'd be turning down a lot of money. <laughs> I don't think that yeah, would be a, a very wise decision by him. Uh, but he started off the year kind of slow. But during right. the back stretch of the year, he really came on. If you go back and watch his game against Minnesota, he was an absolute terror in that game. And that's been a common match for the Detroit Lions here in mock drafts a lot here lately, too, with A.J. Epinesa. Uh, five might be a bit of a reach uh, for him, but, I mean, this team really needs help off of the edge. And I think the most disappointing thing about the Lions to me is that you have a coach that really has a defensive identity, and that's really been the weakness of the team. And I think the offense has been – I think it's been competent, even though Stafford has been hurt. David Blau hasn't been terrible in the sense, even though, I mean, he's a guy you don't expect to come in, you expect a bunch out of. But I think the offense has really stayed afloat for the most part, but the defense has just been atrocious. And in the games that I have seen, uh, just the miscommunications, the lack of pass rush, and things of that nature, it just hasn't looked clean, especially with a coach that has a defensive identity. So A.J. Epinesa definitely be, would be one guy that I think could be very intriguing. And another guy, I think I think corner, they could use another corner as well. So Jeffrey Okuda, I think that definitely could be a match uh, even we'll see what the future holds for Darius Slay. I know he, he's a guy that's not very shy about openly expressing, you know, his demands and just how much he feels about the situation in Detroit. So Epinesa Akuda could definitely be two matches. And then I think linebacker is another position that I think they could serve as an upgrade. Jared Davis just hasn't been what they thought he could be when they selected him in the first round. And that's always been the thing about him is that he was a really good talent at Florida, but he really had struggles processing. And as far as the information in front of him is re-keys and things of that nature. And that's really been the struggles with him uh, to this day. So I think they could get an upgrade for Jared Davis. I think Dylan Moses could be one guy that they do target as long as they're comfortable with the medicals. And he did tear his ACL uh, prior to the season. So I think he's going to be able to participate in the combine, though, if he does end up declaring for the draft. So we're going to get to see him move around a little bit. Um, I think Moses definitely could be a fit. And if they want to look at another linebacker, not at five, but if they want to trade back or even trade up, uh, and, and, you know, the latter half of the first round, even wait into the second round. I think Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma, I think he could be another guy mm-hmm. that could be an intriguing fit as well. So linebacker corner and really edge rusher. I think this this team really needs some help defensively. And I think that's where it needs to start this offseason for Bob Quinn and also Matt Patricia. Uh, what are your thoughts on Derek Brown? A lot of Lions fans love yeah. him, too. What do you think about him? Yeah, I like the fit there, and I'm really mad I didn't mention him just because they do have Snacks Harrison in the middle. But I think Derrick Brown, as far as a more versatile piece, I think he brings much more to the table as far as a pass rusher and a run stuffer. With with Snacks Harrison, you're getting more of a you know true run stuffer, a guy that's not going to get you give you a whole bunch on third down. But Derrick Brown, I mean, you guys have seen him this year. He's been all over the field, and he's a very nimble guy as as far as he's six four, three hundred and twenty five pounds, but the term dancing bear is going to be floated around a lot with him just because he's going to he's going to blow the doors off the combine. You're like, man, there's no way this guy is 325 to 330 pounds with the way that he's moving. And if you go back and watch his game against Florida, he actually had a, a fumble recovery where he should have scored, but the turf monster did get him. Uh, it wouldn't surprise <laughs> me if he runs in the four eights or four nines at 330 oh, wow. pounds, which, which would be incredible. So yeah. I'm a big fan of Derrick Brown. And just imagine him in the middle uh, with a guy like Snacks Harrison. And also, Ashawn Robinson is another intriguing piece to pair him along along the interior with as well. So, I like Gary Brown's fit there a lot. Regarding Brown, would you say he's a better player than Williams coming out last year? Yeah, I think so, just because of the production. I think Quentin Williams, he was more of a, I don't want to say flash in the pan, but he only had the one-year production 
with Derrick Brown. If he would have came out last year, I still think he would have been a top 15 pick. And it was really surprising that he did go back to school, but it ended up working out for him. So I think as far as a proven prospect, I think he's better than Quentin Williams. But as far as explosion and getting to the quarterback, he's not as explosive as Quentin Williams. But as far as a more well-rounded player, as far as an interior defender, I think he's better than Quentin coming out. Okay. Wow. Okay. Now, Detroit, I mean, even though we're we're in fifth spot in the draft right now, by week 17, I mean, we could be top three. Hell, we could be in the second spot. <laughs> what do you think about Chase Young? So I texted one of my scout buddies as soon as this came out, and I said the dinosaurs will come back before Chase Young goes back to school. That's exactly, <laughs> that's exactly what I told him. There's no way he's going to go there's back no to school. There's no way he's going to turn down. There's, okay. there's no way he's going to turn down that much money, and his stock is going to be as high as it's ever going to be right now, and there's no way he can exceed what he did this year if he does go back for another year. So, I mean, he's an incredible man, and you talk about – He's in that tier with Miles Garrett, the Bosa's, and mm-hmm. some other guys coming out as far as polish. And I think the biggest thing that he has improved upon this year is just his overall hand usage and then his pass rush ability. But the one thing I tell everybody about Chase Young is where he really has improved a lot is that he didn't really take advantage of one-on-one situations last year. But this year, man, he you cannot single block him. And when teams did single block him, he got a sack or a TFL every single time. And then it got to the point where teams were starting to double and triple team him, and he was still having an effect and getting to the quarterback. And that's the sign of an elite type of pass rusher. Okay. So say we are number three, and say the Giants have that second spot. They take Chase Young. Would taking A.J. Espinosa at number three be a, a reach for Detroit, or do we have to take best player available, which would probably be uh, Derek Brown at that point? I think you have to take best player available. And I say that because they don't necessarily have to reach for AJ Epinesa just because I think there's some depth in this pass rushing class. And if, even if you go down the line, uh, you can get like a Curtis Weaver in the early or the earlier portions of the second round. And if you want to take the best player available at the top of the first round, I think you can double up at defensive line or, you know, you can take the corner early on like Akuda at three or four, wherever they do finish and then come back and get that second tier type of ed- edge rusher that they can get as well. So, uh, I don't think they necessarily have to reach for Epinesa. I think that would be it would be a bit rich for me in the top five, and I would just would take the best player available. Okay, got you. All right, so Jordan, so Stafford obviously is dealing with two broken backs the last two years. You know, is this something the Lions fans should maybe consider round one or even day two or day three? And if where do you think they should go with the quarterback this year, or if they should take one at all? Well, if it was me. I will blow it up in Detroit, but that's just me. And that's another story for another day. But we've already seen other Fords have already come out and said that they're going to allow Patricia and Quinn to ride it out through 2020 uh, with Stafford. Uh, I, I think he, I respect Stafford a whole bunch. And I think he doesn't get enough respect around the league, in my opinion, just because he's labeled as a kind of a middle of the road guy. But I think he's definitely top 10 to top 12 type of quarterback. And I say that because this team, when he's went out this year, you really seen how lacking this team is. And I say David Blau has really kept the offense afloat, but you see it's a significant drop-off between him and Matthew Stafford. I mean, let's just be completely honest about that. But if it were me, I would completely start this thing over just because they're just in a tough division, man. With the NFC North, you're going to have the Packers there. You're going to have the Vikings there. And then the Bears are having a bad year this year, but they're still a middle-of-the-road team. They're probably going to finish 8-8. Eight and eight. Uh, I think that's where they're going to finish. So I I would do a complete rebuild with this roster, but that's obviously not going to be the case. But if it were me, that's what I would do. 
So a little off-draft question. You mentioned that you would blow this up. So do you think this regime of Matt Patricia and uh, Bob Quinn is going to work? Here's my question to you. I'm just not. A, I'm just going to be completely honest with you. Yeah, give us your honest opinion. Man. Honest opinion. I'm, I'm just not a fan of Patriots guys outside of Foxborough. I just don't think it ever yeah. works. And they like to bring in the Patriot way. And that's exactly what Bob Quinn has tried to do. But it just right. hasn't worked. And they're trying to establish that type of culture. And they've bought in some good players, and I think Bob Quinn has drafted okay, but it just hasn't worked out in a sense. And I love the signing of Justin Coleman and Trey Flowers, two former Patriots guys, but they tried to establish a culture similar to the Patriots, and it just hasn't worked out that way. And that's how it has worked out throughout the league, and even going back to the days of Josh McDaniels and how he just was a complete and utter failure when he was a head coach. And outside of the Patriots, the Patriot way, you just can't mirror it outside of Bill Belichick and so many have tried, but it just hasn't worked out. So if Jordan Reed was Martha Ford, let's say you're the owner of the Detroit Lions, you're not you're not bringing these guys back for 2020. You're you're no starting way. over. Okay. No way. I'm just not a fan of the Patriot way. And I know, <laughs> I, I know it, it might be a bit unfair just because the Lions have been decimated with injuries this year, but I'm just not a fan of the product that Pat- that uh, Patricia has shown thus far. Okay. All right. I, agree with, I, I agree with that. And then back to the quarterback question, where would you take one if, you know, the Lions, you know, you said day one, potentially, if you're blowing it you up. You said, yeah, if that was you. But what do you, where do you think the Detroit should, like, where do you think they're going to take a quarterback or if they would take a quarterback? See, this is really tricky. And I'm of the belief that you should build a team from the inside out and then get your quarterback when you can. So if it were me, I still would continue to build up the defense cause we, just because I think they have some intriguing pieces. And this yeah. isn't a, a roster that is like the Miami Dolphins that is just deprived of talent. But I think they do have some intriguing players and spots on offense and defense. I mean, I love Marvin Jones. I love what he brings to the table. I was a big fan of Carrion Johnson coming out of Auburn as well. So they have some really good offensive pieces. But it's just it, for me, I would start defensive first if I were a GM, just because I'm of the belief that you sh- that you should build up your roster, and then if there's an opportunity to place the quarterback within it, then I would do it. Okay. I like that. But there was, like, rumors last year. They were saying, like, we were going to take Locke, and then Denver jumped us. Like, literally the pick in front of us, they took Drew Locke. So, like, can you give us, like, a day two or day three quarterback that fits with what Bev wants to do maybe because they could be looking at a quarterback? Yeah, so um, I think there's quite a few that they could be interested in, and I think this guy's probably going to end up going first round. But right now I think he's probably got a day two grade, according to some scouts and Jordan Love. I think that's one guy that I would like. In Detroit, I think he has a skill set that does fit what he what he wants to do in a sense. Just because uh, he he's a bit rough around the edges though, and he, he threw 32 touchdowns and six interceptions in 2018. But in 2019, I'm sure you guys have seen it. He really did struggle. I believe yeah. he had 17 touchdowns and 16 interceptions this year. He just looked like a completely different person. But you have to use some context with that. He lost his top five receivers, his top running back, and a completely different coaching staff as well. So it was a it was a complete culture change for him. And there's going to be some homework that you have to do with him. And he just actually got a marijuana possession charge today. I believe that was floated out there. So there's going to be some That's things that you have to do. Yeah, there's going to be some things that you have to do some homework and some digging on with him as well. But there's some other intriguing options and down the line options like Nate Stanley from Iowa. Uh, that he's more of a developmental guy that you want to take on day three. Anthony Gordon from Washington State is another Gardner Minshew type of situation where he's not the most blessed uh, as far as his arm talent and physically, but he's very smart. You love the moxie that he brings to the table, and he has a presence as a leader as well. So we talked about, like, a pass rusher on, like, day one. 
But who are some day two or day three guys that Detroit could target to fit into a Patricia scheme? Well, I think one they could target, uh, his name is Julian Aguara from Notre Dame. I think he's yeah. one that definitely does fit uh, what Matt Patricia likes to do. Now, he's another guy that is a bit rough around the edges as far as he's more he's more of a strictly a pass rusher right now. He has some work to do as far as a run defender, but he definitely is one that I would target if I were the Detroit Lions. And he reminds you a bit of Trey Flowers coming out just because he has that long and lanky frame that he does need to build up a little bit. And that will come with time. And you guys already have his older brother. Yep. On the roster, Romeo, Romeo, Romeo. Over, so you have that connection there with him as well. So I think that definitely would be a good fit. So with Kenny Galladay is like the only Lions wide receiver I believe under contract going to next year. We got Galladay and Marvin Jones. Oh, Marvin Jones is under contract. There's some rumors floating around they might part ways with him. Danny, Danny Amendola is a free agent. What are some wide receivers you could see the Lions going maybe in the mid rounds? I know this class I've heard is stacked in wide receivers. Yeah, so there is one that I love for them, and he kind of reminds me of a former Lions receiver in Golden State, and his name is Devin Duvernay from Texas, and he's a guy that he's a, he's a he's a track star. That's what he was coming out. I believe he ran ten two in the one hundred one hundred meter dash. So uh, he brings that to the table. He had a breakout season this final year at Texas, and all you hear about at Texas is Colin Johnson, but little did we know Devin Duvernay was going to be the breakout guy on that roster and i mean you can go down the line of this receiver class it's absolutely loaded michael pittman jr is a guy that puts you in the mind frame of a kenny galladay that's actually my comparison for him a guy that plays above the rim can go up and get the ball and go back and watch him against utah he ended up with 10 catches for 230 yards and a touchdown he essentially beat them by itself so he was phenomenal in that game uh, denzel mims if they're looking for a speedster out of baylor He's a guy that definitely could be an intriguing option as well. So the Lions are going to have their options if they want to add a receiver on day two or even day three just because of how stacked this class is. But uh, Denzel Mims is definitely one that that I think could definitely be a fit. Duvernay and also uh, the other guys that I mentioned as well definitely could be fits. So, Jordan, me and my buddy Pierre are a Michigan fan. So uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, it's not for sure that he's going to enter the draft. He might enter the draft. Nico Collins entered the draft. Where do you see those guys going? So there's actually some buzz of DPJ going round one right now, which is kind of crazy to me just because NFL scouts and evaluators, for whatever reason, they have what I like to call the five-star sticker. And they love these prospects that were former five-star recruits. And they feel as if sometimes they were ju- it was just a lack of coaching at the university that they were at. And you go back and you watch Donovan Peoples-Jones against Ohio State, and he looks like that number one guy that a lot of people labeled him as uh, coming out of high school when he did come out just because of the athletic gifts and the traits that he does have. And you see it all throughout his film. And it's, I mean, he, he's absolutely gifted, but the drops, that's the biggest concern about him. And he'll make a miraculous catch, but then he'll come back and he'll drop a wide open one. So just cleaning up that catch consistency. But if there's one prospect, I would say that could be a surprise as far as in the top 40 picks. I definitely think he could be that guy. And who was the other guy that you mentioned? Nico Collins. Yeah, another guy that's from Michigan that's an intriguing option as well. And, uh, I mean, it's not surprising to me at all that a lot of people are saying that he he's the best as far as purely gifted standpoint and traits on that Michigan roster uh, from, from the wide receiver core. And I think I have no arguments with that at all just because I love his mentality. I love what he brings to the table as well. But I think Peoples-Jones definitely will be selected probably earlier out of the two. Okay. I have a question about one receiver. I actually went to high school with him for like about a year. Uh, Van Jefferson. What are your thoughts on big him? fan? Big fan. I'm a big fan of Van Jefferson. I actually was watching him a couple of days ago against LSU when I did tweet about him. 
And he reminds me a lot of Keenan Allen coming out. And I'm not saying oh, okay. that he's going to turn into that. I'm not saying he's going to turn into Keenan. But as far <laughs> as the, the, the traits that Keenan did show coming out of Cal, Van Jefferson does bring a lot of that to the table. And he's going to get – he's going to be he's gonna be rated high on a lot of boards just because he has the mental makeup that you're looking for. His dad is a longtime NFL wide receivers coach. Right. I believe he's with the Jets right now. And he's been – He's been there or with Adam Gates this year, but prior to that, he's been in the league for 10-plus years. So he's been getting a supreme amount of coaching. He has the mental makeup that you're looking for as well. But he's, a, he's a bit slender. That's the big thing about him. He does need to gain some weight. Right. I think that's the biggest thing with him. But it, you talk about a guy that has quick twitch out of his stance, knows how to get open. He has a Ph.D. in route running that I like to say. Uh, he, he's, a, uh, he's a fantastic prospect. I'm a big fan of him, man. I have a round two grade on him just to share my grades with you right now. I'm a big fan of him. And awesome. when we're looking up at the senior bowl, at the end of the senior bowl, I think he's going to be one of the biggest risers. Okay. So, Jordan, I mean, I'm pretty sure you are aware of Detroit's running back history. I mean, we, we tried, we tried, we tried, we tried. <laughs> and we just like, it's like we have bad luck. Either like somewhere he has, like we had Javid Best and he had concussion injuries and he had to retire early and carry on. You know, carry on looks phenomenal, but he just can't stay on the field. Do you see us? Like drafting another running back, and where do you, if you do, like where do you see us like drafting a, a guy who could like come in and be that guy for Detroit? If maybe if carry on is not the answer. Yeah, and you guys have had a really bad luck. Even going back bad to luck. Barry Sanders, man. <laughs> going back to Barry Sanders, you guys have had some really bad luck with running backs and his abrupt retirement. But carry uh, on Johnson, I was a big fan of him coming out, but the concussion concerns, and then. But he has some ankle issues coming out of Auburn as well, and that's really carried over as far as the injury red flags and things of that nature. He just hasn't been able to stay on the field, but when he is on the field, he looks like a bona fide running back one. But that just hasn't been the case so far in his career. But I say this to everybody and every podcast that I'm on. If your team doesn't take a running back in this class, even if you are set at running back, I think that would be completely misguided. That's how loaded this class is. Oh, wow. And there's a bunch there's a bunch of guys that you know, you can take in this draft class, of course, is led by DeAndre Swift, Travis ATN, Jonathan Taylor, uh, even Clyde Edwards Hilaire you know, from LSU has, who has had a really good year as well. So there's there's gonna be plenty of options for the Lions to take. But I think day two or even the earlier portions of day three, I think that's uh, I think that's a pretty good target range for them just because they don't have that bell cow number one go to guy on this offense. And like you guys have said, I mean they're out there running both Scarborough. Uh, Ty Johnson, I believe his name is J.D. McKissick as well. Yeah. So, yeah. He, you know, they've been really talent deprived at that position for so long. But uh, Clyde edwards Hilaire definitely is one guy that I'm a big fan of that definitely could be an option for them on day two if they want to take one there. LaMichael P. Ryan from Florida is another guy that could be an intriguing option as well. But they're going to have their pick of the lit- they're going to have their pick of the litter wherever they want to take one. Nice. Jordy, Jordy, you know who started at running back this week for us? <laughs> uh, was it Bo Scarborough? No, he was hurt. So we had a guy named – I don't even know if you know him. They, I know you're one of the smartest football guys I know. His name was mm-hmm. Wes Hills from Slippery Rock. Oh, yeah, Wes Hills. I know about him. I was a fan of him coming out. Really? Okay. He I, was, I, um, I believe he got, in a, he got MVP of the NFLPA game, I believe. He had a really good game. And that's where he was really on my on my radar after that. So, yeah, I was a big fan of Wes Hills coming out. Jordan, Jordan Reed knows everybody, man. And I was shocked, man. Jordan, I, Jordan, I thought I was going to stump you for, for once. Nope. Yeah, but but yeah, he had two touchdowns in that game. So um, yeah, it was good, good for Wes. But 
Last year, we saw receivers like Terry McLaurin. We saw guys like Darius Slayton. You know, they're shining the league right now. They were, I believe McLaurin was a third-round pick. Slayton was like a fifth-round pick. Who are some of those hidden gems this year? Oh, yeah. There's quite a there's quite a bit in this class, and I'm a big fan of this receiver class. I like it a lot, and I've already went through a few. Uh, as far as day two guys are Denzel Mims, uh, Michael Pittman Jr. is one guy that we've talked about as well. But there's some intriguing options on day three. Uh, Antonio Gandy-Golden, wide receiver from Liberty. I think that's one guy that definitely could be an intriguing option. And, I mean, he lit up the record books at Liberty. And he didn't get a lot of notoriety for whatever reason, but he's another guy that has been accepted to the Senior Bowl. And he's more of a possession type of receiver. And I really want to – I'm really intrigued to see how he does separate. I think that's one of the biggest questions that he's going to have to answer in Mobile. But I think he's one guy that definitely could be intriguing leaving uh, the Senior Bowl. Chase Claypool from Notre Dame. I'm sure you guys are very familiar with him. Um, mm-hmm. If you, So I have a little bit of homework for you guys to do after this. Okay. I want you to look up Chase Claypool's career in Canada. He's from Canada. Let me uh, write that down. <laughs> <laughs> look it up. You guys are going to be like, oh, my God. So he he's probably the best Canadian athlete, high school athlete ever. And when you see his numbers, you're going to be like, oh, my God. I cannot believe this is what he did. But uh, I believe he was the first Canadian guy to actually sign with Notre Dame since like the 1980s. So that just goes to show you what they thought of his talent. And he didn't really get a chance at Notre Dame to really show off his skill set until this past year, but he really did flourish. I think he had three touchdowns in one game. The game does slip my mind, but uh, he's one guy that definitely seems like the star. The arrow is really pointing up as far as his trajectory and his stock. And he's another guy that's been accepted to the senior bowl as well. So I'm excited to see how he does. Yeah, that'll be good, man. So I mentioned guys like McLaurin and Slayton, and I mentioned two wide receivers, for example. You got any other positions besides the wide receiver uh, that could be like some hidden gems in there? Um, so I can give you some small school guys, and yeah, I know you, I don't know how you, what the temperature is as far as a guy like Miles Killebrew. Uh, I don't know if you are you guys are fans of him as far as I what mean, he's shown so far. I mean, he's, he's really good, good special, special team. teams. Yeah. yeah, special team. He's a beast. Special team beast right now. At a position yeah, so, switch. Right. Yeah, I always thought he was a safety, but uh, I was a fan of him coming out. Um, but there's some small school gyms as far as some safeties that are like in this draft class. Jeremy Chin uh, from Southern Illinois, another guy that's been accepted to the senior board. There definitely could be a hidden gym uh, in this in this draft class. Kyle Duggar from Lenore Ryan, uh, safety slash linebacker. I think he's one guy that's going to light up the combine uh, at about 6'2", 225. It wouldn't surprise me if he does run in the four fours. And I think that's really where he's going to shine in the combine. So those two guys definitely are, I think, that I think could be some small school hidden gems. So we know Patricia likes those big linebackers. They took Jelani Tavai in the second round. Who are some linebackers in this draft that kind of fit their philosophy? Yeah, you guys seem to like those big stumpy linebackers. <laughs> I personally like, I personally like <laughs> speed, man. Yeah. <laughs> I personally like someone who could cover tight ends and backs, run from sideline to sideline, but they like those big linebackers to clog up space. Yeah, so uh, Monty Rice from Georgia. Uh, we'll see if he does declare. He hasn't actually declared for the draft yet, but Monty Rice is definitely one. About 6'1", about 230 to 240 pounds, I should say. Hey, I think he's more of a two-down guy as opposed to a three-down guy. He really does struggle in coverage in a sense, so <laughs> he definitely would fit in right in as far <laughs> as those big, those big stumpy two-down guys that run stuff is that Patricia does like. Uh, Malik Harrison uh, from Ohio State is another guy that definitely could be an intriguing option as well. But this is going to be a really interesting linebacker class just because I think it's all over the place. After Isaiah Simmons, Dylan Moses, and Kenneth Murray, 
I'm not sure how teams are really going to have their board stacked up just because those seem like to be the top three consensus guys. But after that, I think it's really a precipitous drop off after that. And there's going to be, you know, guys like Troy Dye uh, from Oregon is another guy that's already getting some buzz as well. We'll see if Marcus Bailey from Purdue ends up declaring, even though he did get hurt uh, this year. Joe Batchy from Michigan State is another name has been floated out there a lot as well. So uh, there's a bunch of guys I think that's going to be in that second tier and third tier. But I just don't know how the NFL is going to stack up these guys just because it's really a jumble of guys that have the same or similar type of skill set. Yo, I, this question, I've just been dying to ask, like somebody that does this, like the scouting and stuff. And this is going to our draft last year. You say you have your draft board. I just want your honest opinion. Where did you have Jelani Tavai in your draft board? Did you have him like I, second round? Third I actually round? Had, I had him as a third round guy. And him as a third I, round love, guy? I actually okay. liked what he showed. He was really active. Uh, but there was some things that, that were a bit concerned as far as his limitation from a lateral standpoint. I think that's really the biggest thing that I worried about a, the most with him. But when he was moving vertically or straight ahead, that's really where he was at his best. And I think that's really that's really been the biggest thing with him now, even though I'm not sure exactly how he has played this year. I'm not going to sit here and say I've watched every single snap that he's played this year. But uh, he, he splashed a little bit in the games that I have seen of him. And he, he's going to be active just because you can play him. You can play him at a whole bunch of different positions. He's not necessarily just a you know a one-stop shop type of linebacker. And that's exactly what he did when he was in college. They rushed him okay. off the edge a whole bunch as well. And I think that's where he made a, a bunch of his plays. One more question uh, about like last year's draft class. What do you do think about Amani Aruwari and Will Harris? Uh, we took Harris in the third and Amani in the fifth. Were you high on those guys? Yeah, two guys I've paid a whole bunch of attention to down at the senior bowl. And I thought Aruwari really struggled a lot just because he's not a man coverage corner. And that's really what you see down at the senior bowl. And he really struggled. He's more of a zone type of corner. I think that's really where he's at home at. But you love the ball skills. You love the length that he does show that he does expose from time to time. And I think that was one of his better assets as far as going up and attacking the ball out of the air. But he did have some things to clean up from a coverage standpoint. But, I mean, he's he's a guy that, you know, I have the saying of uh, what I like to call crockpot prospects. And he's one of those guys. So just to explain that theory is that if you think about you're cooking some food in the crockpot, you have to let it and sit there for a little bit. But <laughs> once you get there to the end result, it, it is very enjoyable. And I think that's what a warrior could be. And I think he shows some promise in spots, but he, he's a guy I think you definitely have to sit back and let learn a little bit. Uh, but he's he has to improve on his technique, and I think that's really where his biggest deficiency lies right now. But as far as ball skills and going up and attacking the ball, I think that's where his best skill set is right now. But he's a guy I love to come up and tackle as well, and that was one of the things that I think was one of his bigger assets at Penn State. But as far as Will Harris, uh, I think he was a guy that he, he really was what he was. At, at that point, and that's not a knock on him. I just thought he was a mediocre type of prospect, but one guy you're really going to uh, – he, he's a guy that could be a starter, but you're always going to be looking to upgrade him if that does make sense. He's not going to be a high-end starter, a high-caliber, you know, A-plus or A-level type of starter. I think he can be, you know, a B-minus or a C-plus level type of starter that you're looking to upgrade from whenever his contract is up. Yeah, he's been uh, really like he's been like a tad late on every play. Yeah, we haven't yeah. really seen anything from him, but Amani has shown some flashes so far. So, so what do you think of the linebacker of I don't know how to say his first name correctly, Aferne Jennings from Alabama? Yeah, Anthony Jennings. And, think, yeah. oh. See how perfect you said that? Did you see how perfect you said Man, that? Man, I messed up that completely. <laughs> 
<laughs> another guy that definitely fits the Patricia type of mold. Okay. And yeah. he and Patricia's always going to be a fan of Alabama guys just because it's a very similar system. And they're not guys that necessarily get up the field and penetrate a whole bunch, but they're going to hold down multiple gaps and they're just going to do their assignment. And that's exactly what Anthony Jennings does. Uh, he's not a super twitchy guy. Uh, but he's a guy that's going to play in the league a very long time just because he understands exactly where his traits lie. And he's not, once again, another guy that doesn't have these A-plus level type of traits, but he is a B-plus level type of guy that understands exactly what he is. But he's going to maximize his role, and he's going to do it full speed every every single time. And that's exactly what Patricia likes to have in his defense. So I think Anthony Jennings definitely could be a guy that they do have circled on draft. Uh, what round would you be looking at him at? I think third round. I think that's third. a fair range. I think that's a pretty fair range for him. Would you say he was like he's a better prospect than Austin Bryant coming out last year? Because we took him in the fourth, I believe. Yeah, no, that was a massive reach, man. Austin Bryant, I wasn't, I wasn't a huge fan of him at all, and I think oh, no. uh, he really was a guy that really fed off of his surroundings, and we know how how loaded that Clemson defensive line was with right. Christian Wilkins, Cleveland Farrell, Dexter <clears throat> Lawrence. He was a guy that completely or consistently got those single matchups, and he did take advantage of them, but he just didn't have the bend and the twitch that you saw from those other guys, but he was in the same recruiting class as all of those guys, so he kind of was playing, I don't want to say a trial by error, but he really was there just because of the other guys, and that's not to say he didn't earn that spot or anything like that, but he, he did have the seniority on that roster, but I think the fourth round was a huge reach for him. Damn. So Will Harris and Austin Bryant were reaches, huh? God yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't a huge fan of the Detroit Lions class last year, as you can see. <laughs> no, fair enough. It's not looking good right now either. So far, it's not looking good, but it's still early. Hopefully, they turn. Yeah, around. it is. It is. So uh, let's go back. I want to get back to a little Matt Patricia question. So Matt Patricia is like a a man coverage guy, ninety percent man coverage, rush three, rush four. Like, what is your opinions on that philosophy and how? Like, do you think that could work in the NFL and in today's age? I guess you would say. Yeah. I think it does, but you have to have the guys on the back end that can play man coverage. And I think that's where the Lions are really lacking. They just don't have the guys in the secondary outside of Darius Slay and Justin Coleman really to play that type of defense on the back end. And I like Tavon Wilson. I think he's a, a guy that really does fit in uh, with that defense. And I think he, he he's a guy that's really good, probably going to play the rest of his career there just because he's one that does blend in, but he's not a man coverage guy. Let's just be honest about that. Uh, Coleman and really Slay are the only other two that can consistently play man. But the biggest key to playing man coverage is that you have to have a really good defensive line that can get after the quarterback. Otherwise, right. you're gonna have you're gonna leave these guys in coverage all day long. And I think that's the problem with the Lions. Yep. They have all of these big run stuffers up up front like Ashawn Robinson, Snacks Harrison, and they bought in Trey Flowers, but he hasn't been that supreme level pass rusher like they play like they paid him to be this offseason. So now you're leaving these DBs in cover so long that they're really getting exposed just because you're asking them to cover five plus seconds, but they just aren't built that way. So I think that's the biggest deficiency with Patricia's defense right now. Yeah, pass rush. Yeah, we always preach that. We're like, <laughs> these corners rush. will get beat. Um, so you didn't mention Tracy Walker. Do you think he's a, he's going to be a season star in the making? He's been playing really well for us. Yeah, he has, and he was a really good find. Uh, for the Detroit Lions, and I hate that I didn't mention him just because I think he's a guy that, you know, he he was one of the reasons that that, that enabled them to tr really trade Glover Quinn uh, when they did trade him, uh, excuse me, Glover Quinn, Quandre Diggs, sorry, but when they did trade him to the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, so I think he was one of the biggest reasons why they were were, were uh, really comfortable with doing that, but he's been a really nice find for them. He's, he shows some really good flashes. 
What are your thoughts on Hawkinson? So would you have taken him in the top 10 if you were the GM? Um, yeah, be honest, man. Yeah, because a lot of fans don't like the pick. I mean, obviously, rookie tight end struggle, but he was yeah. supposed to be like, he's supposed to come in and right away, like, kill it. But he hasn't really done that. He struggled a little. Now he's injured. So before, what do you think about him? Jordan, before you answer, just, just know that Josh Allen was one pick away. He was right there. <laughs> All we had to do was trade at one spot. He was right there. <laughs> All right, go ahead and answer. <laughs> so I think the biggest mistake. He was right there, man. And just to this day, he's going to eat <laughs> I see you're really upset about that. Um, I'm, I'm, to this day, man. To this day. <laughs> I think the biggest mistake that NFL GMs make is they don't really value certain positions or they value certain ones over others. And I think in order to win in the NFL, I think there's three key positions that you have to have. And that's, of course, quarterback, offensive tackle, and I think edge rusher. We're really four and a number one cornerback right. as well. I think those are really the four key positions that you have to have in order to be successful in the NFL. And if you think about it, you go down the list of every contender throughout the NFL, they have A-plus level or A-level a players, I should say, or even blue-chip level players at all of those positions. And I'm just not a big fan of taking tight ends early just because I think outside of quarterback and really offensive line, I think that's one of the positions that is really hardest to translate to just because you're really learning two positions in one. Just because Hogginson, he already has it as a blocker, and he already has it as a receiving threat, but we hadn't seen it on the NFL level. But with with a tight end, you're you're really learning two positions in one, as a receiver and also as a run blocker as well. And Hogginson already showed promise in all of those spots, but how much does a tight end really affect an offense? And I say that because everybody is not George Kittle and Kyle Shanahan. We have to think that. I think you have to use some context in this. And T.J. Hawkinson, he's going to be a really good player. But how many plus-minus uh, areas in the win-loss category is he really going to affect with this team? And I, I just thought there were some other players on the board that were available that really could have helped him a little bit more. Josh Allen is one guy that you guys have already brought up. I thought he could have been a better pick uh, there, even if he, even though he wasn't available at the time. I think he could have been a, a better pick than what Hawkinson was at the time. Uh, but I think there were some other players on the board that could have helped him a little bit more. So what would you think of like? So you think we should have went like Devin Bush, Brian Burns, or like that Oliver yeah. type of guy? Well, without <clears throat> question, I think any of those guys definitely. I mean, you've seen it around the league. You see how well the Pittsburgh Steelers defense is playing with Bush in the middle. Ed Oliver is really starting to come around uh, for the Buffalo Bills, and outside right. of Nick Bosa, Josh Allen has probably been the second best rookie edge rusher around the league. And I think any of those guys. I definitely wouldn't have been a better pick, even though Allen wasn't available. But Devin Bush or even Ed Oliver definitely would have been a better pick. What about so, Brian Burns? Oh, I'm a big fan of Burns, and I have no idea what's going on with him down there in Carolina. I think he got like seven snaps last game, and he hasn't reached over 15 the past three weeks or so. So what? there's something really weird going down there in Carolina. I'm not really sure. Wow. But when he's on the field, I mean, you've seen the type of effect that he does have as a pass rusher. Yeah. Right. So so, so we mentioned earlier that Patricia likes these like big ass linebackers that can't cover. <laughs> so, do you think Devin Bush would work out here in, with Patricia? Um, he's really not his cup of tea for whatever reason. Yeah. I think it is kind of weird. He probably liked Devin White a little bit more, even though he, I think Bush was a bit more rangy than what Devin White uh, did show. Both of them were terrific, and both of them are going to be terrific pros. But I think he he probably was a guy that was a little bit bigger fan of Devin. Uh, Devin White, even though those guys weren't available for him. But Bush was. I think Bush would have been a much better pick uh, for them than Hawkinson. But it's just, man, it, it's just weird what's going on in Detroit right now. That's the only way <laughs> to describe right. it, it, man. It's, 
it's really weird. And, you know, like I said, I've already told you guys my intentions if I was the GM of this team just because I think bringing back Patricia and Quinn, I just don't see, like, the resolution that's going to come out of this. And I've already talked about, you know, the Packers and the Vikings. They're in a very tough division. The Bears are going to be better once they get the quarterback position resolved out, whether they want to continue on the Trubisky or bring in a proven veteran uh, that does end up getting released or a free agent. So, I mean, you're talking about a team that's going to be probably in the bottom of the basement of this division again next year, just being honest. Uh-huh. Uh, if things go if things go as planned, and I just think they're wasting another year when they can go ahead and I don't want to say you know strip the roster like the Dolphins did, but you can still get some value for these guys that are on the roster. Uh, Darius Slay, uh, I know it's probably hard for you guys to say or for me to say this, but Matthew Stafford, maybe they do explore a trade for him mm. after 2020, even though that would be really hard for you guys to do. But I just think at some point you just have to be honest with yourself and accept a rebuild. So, Jordan, you mentioned that you would blow this whole thing up. Let's say the Lions did move on from Bob Quinn and moved on from Matt Patricia. You think a football mind that would walk in, you think the smart decision would just to be a blow it up, not even to try to build around Stafford? Because, like, you don't think there's an end site where you could win with Stafford in this time period in Detroit? No, I'm a fan of Stafford, and I think you can still build around Stafford, but I just think with I think they're just stuck in neutral. That's the best way to describe what the Lions okay. are right now. They're really not going forward. They're not really going backward. But there just really doesn't seem to be a sense of direction, if that does make sense. Yeah. Even though Bob Quinn, he hasn't drafted bad. I think his first-round picks, if I, they've been actually decent, in my opinion. But I think after <sighs> that is really where he's really been lacking. He hasn't really had a lot of hits uh, on day two and day three of the draft. And I think it's really showed in the roster just because I don't think it's one that has a whole bunch of depth throughout it, but there right. has been some hits and some later rounds, but there really hasn't been a lot of depth built on this roster. And there's been some free agents that have been brought in, but some of them haven't panned out uh, for the most part. So I think it's really, it's kind of a talent. I don't want to say a talent deprived roster just because I think the lines are very talented, but I just don't know if somebody was to ask me randomly, what the direction of the Lions is right now, I just wouldn't be able to tell you. You point left, right, up, down. <laughs> you blame. <laughs> uh, so, like, do you ever talk to like other scouts? Does, does like any like do they say like what they think of the Lions? Like, are we a laughing stock compared to other teams? Like, do scouts think like we're a joke, sort of, or just wondering? No, they don't. They they just think they just like I said, they just don't know what the direction of the team is. And you have a really good quarterback here, and you have some good receivers on the perimeter. Right. But outside of that, you really don't know. And they've invested a lot in his offensive line. Taylor Decker, I think, even though he's been inconsistent at times, I think he he's an average starter. Frank Ragnall looks like a fantastic pick right now. He's been a really right. good player. And the Ricky Wagner, uh, he, he's been up and down since they, mm. they did pay him all of that money. Uh, but – I just don't understand. A lot of people just don't really understand the sense of the direction of the team. And I keep reiterating that. That's what a lot of people are saying uh, with Patricia. It, you just don't really know what's going on. And I always go back to you always want your team to take the identity of your head coach. And I think it's completely flip flopped with the Lions. I think the offense is decent, but the defense where their coach has an identity and that's what he came over from, from the Patriots. That's really been the weakness of this team. And that's just concerning to me. Yep. Don't don't feel bad, Jordan. Um, That's all we talk us about. Us as fans, we don't know the direction that they're heading either. <laughs> so <laughs> you don't have to feel bad. It's all good. We, we're in the same boat. We have no idea. We don't know if they're going up, down, left, right. We don't know what's going on. 
And, and Jordan, I'm glad you're saying this because people are sick of my voice saying this. So I'm glad it's coming from a different voice, Jordan. So I am gl- I'm very glad you're saying this because we are pretty spot on with our opinion. So, all right, guys, that is a wrap to episode 68. Appreciate my man Jordan Reed hopping on the podcast with us, like we mentioned earlier. Former blue wire, or former, currently both blue wire guys. So, um, yeah, man, it's it's been fun. Um, looking forward to the draft in December. You know, hopefully we got a good draft pick. So, Jordan, yeah, man, appreciate you coming on, dude. You want to, you know, any Twitter, Instagram, where can they find you at? Yeah, thank you guys once again for having me on. It's really a pleasure, uh, you know, branching out to different fan bases. I always love just talking football in general, just, you know, getting a gauge of where, you know, other people have the temperature of other franchises around the league as well. It helps better my process as well. So once again, thank you guys for having me on. But uh, for those of you out there that are listening, uh, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at NFL. That's at J-R-E-I-D NFL. You can follow my podcast. Also, the Josh and Jordan podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever the podcast platform you so choose to do so. Yeah, make sure you give a five-star on that one, man. Yeah, they're Make, sure, make sure you give them a five-star on that one, man. <laughs> thank you, man. <laughs> Go give support to our former Lion, Josh Johnson. He was on our podcast not too long ago, and he was great. So definitely check out their stuff. They got some interesting stuff on there. I, I watched, like you mentioned, the you know Josh's uh, experiment going to the XFL and the Lions. It was It's a great podcast. I recommend everyone. If you're a Lions fan, you guys will definitely enjoy that episode. So, But I'm out. I'm Tyler. Thank you guys for listening to episode 68, and I'm out. See y'all. All right, guys. I'm out. Peace. All right, y'all. Peace out. Peace. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.